Paul's letter to the people who lived in the city of Colossae. And what do we know about the city of Colossae? It was east of, 120 miles east of Ephesus, which is now called Ephes, and it was about 12 miles east of Laodicea, and uh, it was known for the incredibly cool springs and cool streams that ran through Colossae. Um, neat place to vacation if you lived in Laodicea because Laodicea didn't have any water sources at all. So they shipped their water in the hot springs from a town north of them, about 12, 15 miles, and the cold water from Colossae piped it in in uh, aqueducts. So when it got to the city, it was all lukewarm. <clears throat> and uh, so when John writes to Laodicea, he says, God doesn't like you guys because you're lukewarm. <laughs> they knew exactly what he was talking about. I mean, that was a vivid picture. Um, if you've ever lived near a paper mill, there's this incredibly horrible offer, odor, excuse me, this odor that wafts through the community. Or if you've lived downwind from a large hog operation, you get the same effect, okay? And, and the smell just never goes away, okay? I mean, it's always there. doesn't matter what direction the wind's blowing because if the wind shifts, you think, oh, it'll blow all that smell away. No, it's permeated your clothes, your house, your curtains, your furniture, your truck, your car, everything. And so you just don't ever get away from it. Well, that's the way the folks at Layouts here were. Uh, they had lukewarm water, and that's all they ever knew. Uh, <laughs> never got any better. Didn't, never got cool, colder or hotter. And uh, so, uh, the, but the cold water came from Colossae. And Paul writes to uh, the church at Colossae. He writes to them and he includes Timothy. Timothy is with him while he's writing this letter. And so he addresses the letter, uh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, or Timothy, our brother. Now, why did he mention Timothy? Well, first of all, because the people at Colossae were familiar with Timothy. Okay? Timothy's hometown was not very far from there. And while they may not have known him growing up, his reputation spread as Paul began to leave him places to, to train pastors and deacons and, and elders in the church. And so uh, they, they knew who Timothy was. Uh, you say, well, how would they know? Well, because his grandmother and his mother still lived there in his hometown. Okay? Now, tell me, if your grandson grows up to do something really magnificent, are you going to keep it a secret? No, everybody in the country is going to know. And that's exactly what happened with Timothy. And he writes to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. The saints and the faithful brethren. In this particular case, those are the same people, not two separate groups. Okay? Could be two separate groups because there are some saints who are not faithful. Otherwise, we'd have full house tonight. 
You want me to camp out there a little while? Won't do any good. Y'all are here. <coughs> I need to do that when they're here. Uh, and so he's talking to the, to the saints, to the folks that are saved. And besides, uh, that introduces a question that I want to ask you because I don't know the answer yet. Um, the bride of Christ is made up of the church. We know that, okay? The bride of Christ is made up of the church. We are called the body of Christ. We are called the bride of Christ, okay? How do you become a part of the church? Is it all saved people or is it all saved people who have followed the Lord in believers' baptism? We have always taught that it's people who have trusted Christ and followed the Lord in believers' baptism. Is that correct? Okay. So, at the rapture of the church, when Jesus Christ returns, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, is it just those baptized believers that are going up? Or are all the saints going up? Okay, all the saints are going up. If they are not baptized believers, are they going to be in the bride? Or are they going to be witnesses at the bride? Somebody asked me that question last week, and I said, Oh, I don't have any idea. <laughs> I'll have to study that out. So you give that some thought and pray about it and see what the Holy Spirit tells you. Okay? Because there's a lot of people who've been saved didn't get baptized. Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. So we know he went, we know he went to heaven. Okay? But is he a part of the bride of Christ? He didn't get baptized. So anyhow, I want some scriptural evidence. So if you start looking it up, dig deep. Bring me the scripture verses, and uh, we'll go from there. So, he's talking to the saints and to the faithful brethren. Okay? You say, what's the difference? Well, there is a difference. All the faithful brethren are saints. And as you know, saints are people who recognize that Sunday afternoon is nap time. <laughs> no, saints are people who have trusted Christ as personal Savior. Even the folks in the church at Corinth are called saints. And they were wicked. I mean, whoa. That was not a church you wanted your name associated with. And it's one of the churches where Paul spent the most time starting and pastoring the church, trying to get them started and, and uh, get them stable. And, and he calls them saints. So if they're saints, everybody who's ever gotten saved is a saint. The faithful brethren are those who are faithful, faithful in prayer, faithful in Bible study, faithful in not just sharing the gospel, but training others to share the gospel. Faithful brethren are those who show up when the church doors are open and somebody's going to be preaching, because not because they love the preacher, but because they love God. They love God's Word. And they want to know. They just can't get enough. I have to be very careful this time of year because one of my favorite candies is classified as a vegetable. See? It's those little pumpkins. Those little orange pumpkins. Okay? And a pumpkin's a vegetable. Okay? And they also have corn 
made out of the same stuff. Everybody knows corn's a vegetable. And this is pure carbs. It's made out of sugar with a little food coloring in it. And I, I mean, I just have to be real careful. If I buy a bag of that, I have to stretch it like for a month and a half when my desire is to eat it all at once. Okay? Just keep eating until I'm sick. And then I don't have to have any more for a couple of days. <laughs> but, but anyhow, uh, these are faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. And his salutation is almost always the same. It varies a little from, from church to church and passage to passage. But he always includes grace. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we discussed this a week or so ago when we looked at the, uh, the book of Colossians, this first few chapters. And so we want to skip down to verse 9 or verse 8. He, in verse 7 he talks about uh, Epaphras who was the pastor at Colossae. And, uh, and he said, uh, you've learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. Can I share with you that not every church has a faithful minister? For those of you who have always been in this church, you may not believe that. But not every church has a faithful minister. There are some churches who rather than, uh, than, uh, doing, than praying and doing the, the work of ministry, the ministry of the Word, studying and preparing messages, there, there are some churches whose pastor is... Uh, a really great golfer. Okay? And the church pays him so he can play golf. Now, if you all think that's a good idea, I don't play golf, but I fish. Okay? And if you all want to pay me so I can fish five days a week, we can work something out. I won't be able to be called your pastor anymore because pastor doesn't include fishing in the definition. But... Uh, but not every church has a faithful ministry, minister, and Epaphras was one of those who was. And Paul wrote in, uh, I think it's Ephesians, that those people, uh, no, excuse me, it's Hebrews, that those people who are faithful ministers are worthy of double honor. Okay? They're worthy of double honor. Now, we discussed in Sunday School of the Man this morning the fact that, uh, that Satan's had an alternate plan to the plan of God. And God's plan was to train his disciples to win souls and train, other, train those people to win souls and be able to train them and then for them to win souls and train people. And Satan took him 200 years by the middle of the, uh, or right at the end of the second century, he had developed what was already apparent in some of the first century churches, and it's the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Nicolaitans means there's a, div- there's a di- division, there's a difference between clergy and laity. That is widely taught in churches today. I mean, widely taught. And John, in his writings to the churches uh, of, in this area, 
in Revelation says God hates that. Okay? There's not a division between clergy and laity. We're all laity. And we're all clergy. Say what? Oh yeah. The scripture is quite clear that when you got saved, you became a priest of God. We believe in the individual priesthood of the believers. Out there in that rack, uh, I said this morning it was on the table, but it's not. It's in, I noticed it this evening when I came in, it's in the rack beside the door is uh, this, this little Keith Heights Baptist communicator which says, why Baptists? What's the difference? Well, one of the differences is that Baptists believe in the individual priesthood of the believer. You do not have to go to anybody else to confess your sins. You are a priest of God, and you approach Him yourself on your own behalf. You can offer your own sacrifices to God. You can offer sacrifices of praise. You can offer sacrifices of thanksgiving. You can offer sacrifices of gifts and offerings. You just can't offer a sacrifice for sin. Jesus did that once and for all. But we believe in the individual priesthood of the believer. As a priest, it is your responsibility to share the message of God with those around you. That's what the priest did. The priest and the prophets, they not only delivered uh, the people's message to God, but they delivered God's message to the people. And so we have that responsibility. So you're clergy. Now, I don't know if you can get by with it or not, but if I were you and I went to the hospital, I'd start parking in clergy parking. (laughs) And if somebody questions you about it, you say, I am a member of the clergy. And they'll say, really? What church do you pastor? Say, I pastor my home. I pastor my own life. And I'd like to pastor you. Do you know for sure if you died today, you'd go to heaven? That's why in Sunday school we repeat all those verses about salvation. Okay? Because you ought to be able to lay it out for people. Because you're part of the clergy. You say, wait a minute, Brother Casey, you said we're both clergy and laity. Yeah, laity, that's a lay person. Okay? We have way too many of those in churches today. When something needs to be done, you can find them laying. <laughs> oh, I think the word's lying, but we'll use laying. Okay? Because they're usually sitting down. And that's what hens do when they get ready to lay. <laughs> No, the laity, uh, that's the, uh, just, just the ordinary people in the church who, according to the Word of God, are clergy. Okay? You say, Brother Casey, uh, why do we call you the pastor? Well, because the Holy Spirit calls some men to be evangelists and pastors and teachers. He gifts them for that. And He gifted me with the gift of teaching and called me to the ministry of pastoring. And praise the Lord, y'all are willing to pay me to do it. But I'd have to do it whether you paid me or not. Because it's the gift that God's given me. You say, what would you do for money? Same thing I do now. I'd trust God. Meet my needs. And He'd do it. He has given some of you all the gift of teaching. You say, oh, we're pastors? Well, if He hadn't called you 
to pastor, then no. But I guarantee you, if he's giving you the gift of teaching, you've got to be teaching somebody. Your own children's a good place to start. So, let's hurry on. As you also learned of Epaphras, dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. I confess I'm guilty of that too. People say, Brother Casey, how are things going in your church? And I say, a lot of times I'll say, you know, it's kind of scary. I'll say, really, things aren't going well? I'll say, no, no, things are going really great. God's blessing our church abundantly. And he's given us folks who, who love him and love one another. And I'm scared to death that I'm going to mess it up. That's scary. I don't want to stand before God and try to explain why I messed up a church like this. I mean, for the very first day I walked in that door, I knew that you people loved each other. Just a little handful. And they loved each other. And other people were attracted to that. Now, this morning we had 80. A few weeks ago we had 118. I'm praying that next week we'll have 90. I won't be here, but okay, 89. And I won't be here the next week either. I'm speaking this coming weekend at a men, at a women's retreat in Kansas City. I'm speaking the following weekend at a men's retreat in Columbia, Illinois. And I asked them not to put those two retreats back to back. And they said, oh, no problem. They're a month apart, which ought to be good, right? But they changed the date for the one in Kansas City, and it butts right up against the other one. So I'm going to be gone two Sundays. And you're not. Okay? You're not. Why? Because you don't come for the pastor. You come because you love God and you love his word. Okay? So if you're not here, then I'll know. Well, okay. Now we know who loves God and who just like loves me. You know? It'll make me feel good, but it'll make God really unhappy. <clears throat> okay. He declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Good question. What's God's will for you? Because I've been praying the same thing Paul's been praying, that He would give you the knowledge of His will. We've talked about it several times since I've been pastor. What's God's will for you? Name just one thing. It's God's will for you. Bring others to Him. Bring others to him. Yeah. To share the gospel with every creature. That's good. Okay? What, what other things does it say is God's will? Okay? To help people grow spiritually. There's one that's even more simple than that. Oh, no, I mean, that's part of it, but yeah, that's not the verse I'm thinking of. Flip right quick to First Thessalonians chapter 5, okay? It's uh, back towards the end of your Bible, just a couple of chapters. First Thessalonians chapter 5. 
Verse 18. You got it? Have we not talked about that several times? In everything give. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So it's, it's specific. I mean, he's not talking about us. He's talking about you. You. And since it is the word you, it's plural. Because if it's singular, it would say thee. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning thee. And then we'd have to look to see exactly who he's talking to. No, he said you. So he's talking to everybody. What's the will of God? Giving thanks to God in everything. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. If we can learn to give thanks to God when everything's going great, we'll be way ahead. Because when everything's going great, that's when we forget about God and we don't need God. And hey, you know, we can just lean back and enjoy life. If you learn to, to thank God when everything's going great, praise the Lord. It'll keep your mind focused on Him. And then, you can learn to praise God, give thanks to God when things are not going well. Ms. Carol, I wouldn't embarrass you for anything in the world, but I've got to bring this up. The day she backed into the church... Okay, we met out on the parking lot and we formed a big circle and we held hands. Y'all remember that? And we prayed and what did we pray? God, we thank you for what just happened even though we don't know why. We just know you said to give thanks and everything. So we thank you. And 15 minutes later, what happened? Anybody know? Adnan got saved. That's my son-in-law. Okay? I don't know how long God has been working on him. Two, three days at least. And if that hadn't happened, he might not have gotten saved. In everything, give thanks. Because we don't know what God's doing. What we do know is, Romans 8, 28, we know that he works all things together for good to them that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And I know Miss Carol loves him. And I know he's called her to her particular ministry and gifts. Her kids can't say nobody ever shared the gospel with them, never, nobody ever taught them scripture. Because when they were little, she, she'd let me line them up on the platform and they would quote verse after verse after verse after verse after verse, sometimes whole chapters. That was her ministry to her children. Can you still do that, David? Good. Start practicing because next time you're in, I might call on you. Okay. Just pick a chapter. I don't care which one. <laughs> okay. I mean, what an incredible ministry. And so, what happened? God worked it out and used it for His glory and for Adnan's good and for my good. 
don't know if I've mentioned this or not. I may have. But uh, Laura and his wife raised Roman Catholics. Okay? Totally stunned me when they started coming. And the only reason they came is because Austin got saved and wanted to be baptized. And she told him that he was baptized when he was six months old. And he said, Mom, baptism is for people who know Jesus. And I didn't know who Jesus was when I was six months old. <laughs> and she said, okay, you can, get, you can get baptized if Grandpa Randy will baptize you. And she called me and asked me. And you know what I said. I don't think I can handle that. <laughs> No, I didn't. And that's and that and so that's why she and Adnan started coming in the first place. About three weeks ago, she texted me and said, I've been praying about joining the church. We need to talk. So Mary and I went to their house. See? Mary got to play with Mia while I got to talk with Laura. And uh, I said, Laura, let's talk about being a member of a Baptist church. I said to become a Baptist. Two things have to happen. I said, number one, <clears throat> a bat, member of a Baptist church has to know that they have had a personal experience with Jesus Christ in salvation. They have asked him to save them, and he's done that. And I said, has that ever happened to you? And she said, yes, when I was nine years old, at, and she named her babysitter, who's a Baptist lady, goes to First Baptist Church, she said, when I was nine years old at her house, she shared with me the gospel, and I prayed and asked Jesus Christ to save me. Whoa! I said, okay. Second thing is, you have to be baptized by immersion following salvation. And she said, okay, I can't get baptized for a few more weeks because I just had a baby, and the doctor told her she can't, get, she can't take a bath or anything until uh, she heals up. And I said, okay, as soon as you get healed, you let me know, and I'll baptize you, okay? Well, I'm going to be gone the next two weeks, so it's going to be at least three weeks from now, <laughs> okay? But you know what that does for my heart? Wow! I'm not Pentecostal. <laughs> and I'm not much of a shouter. Because when, when my heart fills up and, and I get ready to shout, it runs up the back of my throat and comes out my tear ducts. Okay? But it concerns me that we as Baptists do not obey the Scriptures when it comes to worship and giving glory to God. I mean, the Scripture says, lift up holy hands to the Lord. I mean, praise Him. Praise Him. My boy Joshua. You all know I'm not related to any of these people, right? My boy Joshua. <laughs> Mary's a Christian girl. And so now i got two sons and a son-in-law and three daughters-in-law and they're all saved. And my oldest grandchild is saved. And the other three are being taught, the other four, are being taught the things of God. Okay? I mean, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead as far as finances go. But, 
you can share the gospel with your kids and grandkids so that your grandkids and great-grandkids follow you into heaven. I cannot imagine, I cannot, I absolutely cannot picture in my mind anything more horrible than seeing one of my grandchildren hurled into the lake of fire. That's why even though two of them are just a month old, I pray for them often. When they get old enough to understand what sin is, they'll get saved. Because when you're old enough to know what sin is, you ought to be old enough to know who the Savior is. If you have been taught. Where'd I quit? Verse 9. For this cause also since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will. You ought to know what His will is. And the easiest one I know is for you to give thanks in everything. Do you know why there's so much depression in our world? Well, first, because of sin. It's called genetic mutation uh, in some of our brains so that we suffer from clinical depression. Our receptors are messed up. Okay? But there's medication for that. But I know a lot of people who get depressed simply because they don't see anything to be thankful for. Okay? Let me remind you that if you live in a house and you have a car and you have money in the bank, you're in the top 8% of the wealthiest people in the world. The top 8%. 92% of everybody else in the world, uh, of every other person in the world, is poorer than you. And half of them, 3.05 billion. No, 3.55 billion exist on less than $2 a day. $2 a day. You say, Brother Casey, what do they eat? Well, a bunch of them don't. Not every day. I spend $2 on breakfast. And then I get something to drink with that. (laughs) That costs extra. The will of God. When we know it, we ought to do it. That we might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Wisdom. That's seeing things from God's perspective. That's what wisdom is. Just seeing things from God's perspective. We look around us and or we get these bills in the mail and we open them up and we think, ah, how am I going to pay that? When you see it from God's perspective, money's nothing to God. Okay? Money to God is like Doritos. He'll make more. Okay? He'll just, I mean, that's what Congress does. 
They just print more. And so we don't have to be worried about bills. We have to be good stewards. Okay, and that's what Financial Peace University has been about the last couple of weeks. Being good stewards of what God gives us. But we don't have to panic. Wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective. And be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and in all spiritual understanding. Spiritual understanding. There are some missionaries and missionary groups that I support apart from my gifts to this church. They just are. Holy Spirit impressed me to support these people. So I do it. Send them a check every month. Actually, I have my bank send them a check every month, so I don't even have to worry about it. And, uh, and they just take care of it. Why? Because I don't want to get to heaven with a bunch of money in my bank account down here. And people dying and going to hell around the world when I could have done something about it. That's spiritual understanding. Knowing that God has blessed us so abundantly. Not so we can show off and say, look at what I got. I got a nice car. I got a nice house. Or I got a nice... No. Let me give you this quote one more time. If you had not written it down yet, this would be the time. God does not bless us to increase our standard of living. He blesses us to increase our standard of giving. Okay? So if we believers will figure out how much we can live on, then the rest is for others. That's simple enough. John Wesley did that. Every year, after he began pastoring and and uh, planting churches, <coughs> every year he'd get a raise. But he lived on the same amount he started on. When he'd give a raise, he just get, had more money to give away. You say, wow, Brother Casey, you mean he, he's getting yeah, pretty big bucks for Middle England, and he's living in a straw roof thatched hut. And one day he's in a revival, and word comes that his hut burned down. And his response was, oh, praise the Lord, that's one more of God's things I won't have to worry about now. Okay, what would you say if your house burned down? Oh, no, what are we going to do? God said, hey, if I provide for the birds, I can provide for you. Amen? Okay. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for our guests tonight. Thank you for the folks who, who came to hear your word. Thanks for the, for the children, young people that were here. Dear Lord, I pray that you would cause something they heard to, to, to capture their attention in order that they might also be filled with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Dear Lord, Dismiss us with your love. Bring us back safely on Wednesday. 
tomorrow morning when we awaken. Help us to start the day by giving thanks for everything. Because this is the, your will for us in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.